This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you're at in the U.S. and around the world. Here's a special edition of two shows, Baseball Outside the Box and also Copabe Playball. Um, we want to welcome the WBC 2023 Facebook page. This is a special edition for them covering world baseball, and this will be very interesting. So I want to welcome everybody in the U.S. and around the world. We have two great guests on the show today, uh, two great friends. Let me welcome a couple of them right now. First, Jim Baba, former Baseball Canada Executive Director and the w, current WBSC Chair of the Technical Committee, a former national team coach with Baseball Canada. What's up, Jimmy? How you doing, buddy? Oh, great to be here, Pete, and uh, thanks for having me. A little cold there in Canada. Yeah, we got the minus 30s going on and minus 20s, and, and it's been following me all holidays, so time for a change. Well, Chicago, Canada, welcome, and uh, welcome to all the freezing weather. Also, our next guest, uh, man, coming all the way from Israel, and I want to welcome Peter Kurst, general manager of the Israeli Olympic team that competed in the Tokyo Olympics, also former president of the Israeli Baseball Federation, and he was the VP of the European Baseball Federation for four years. Let me welcome our good friend, Peter. What's up, buddy? Thank you, Pete. Good to be here. It's uh, maybe not as cold over here as it is there, but uh, with no central heating here in Israel, it's... Uh... I've got a radiator going here, and it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty cold. Well, man, I'll try to shoot some of that air at you. I don't know how to filter it there, but I'll get it there. Okay. Hey, listen, guys, I really appreciate this. It's been uh, a pleasure, you know, having you guys on the show here because of your vast experience to tell our audience all the experience you guys have internationally. Uh, Jimmy, let, let me just start off with you a little bit. Give a little background on your international experience uh, because you've got a tremendous amount. Well, yeah, I've been uh, lucky enough to have some great experiences. I coached uh, Canada's national team from 92 through 99. And then a couple more times, I actually was the manager as well in, in the 2000s uh, when a couple of times we lost our coach at the last minute. So I chipped in and helped out. So great experiences there. It gave, it gave me that experience from the player slash coach side to be able to be involved with the teams and, and the development side there. And then, on the admin side, I became a, an executive director with Baseball Canada, and, and that led to experiences uh, on the technical side with the World Baseball Softball Confederation, starting way back in 2002 was my first experience as a technical commissioner, and, and then went to a number of events, and then uh, Ricardo Ficari, when he became president, asked me to become the chair of the tournament commission, which to this day is still uh, amazing that I was asked, and a, a great experience, and been involved in you know I, I don't I couldn't even count the number of events world events I've been to and I've been very very humbling to be involved uh, for that long uh, in, in in the experience on the technical side and and try to uh, develop the um, the technical side of the game for the baseball uh, world baseball softball confederation has been fun like you sit on our committee and you know we we work very hard trying to adapt rules and change rules and make it better for all and and add new events as we can and uh, it's been a great experience and 
look forward to it uh, lasting a few more years. You know, I'm glad you mentioned about technical committee because a lot of people might be asking, you know, what, what, what does the technical committee actually do? Um, and, and I think that what you said is correct. A anything else to add on the technical part, what exactly the committee does? And also when they, when they go to the events, what's that responsibility? Yeah, I, I guess on the tournament side, the tournament, tournament commission, technical commission, we uh, we meet and try to determine uh, changes that might be necessary for the events to make them more successful. New rules that come out for Major League Baseball, we make the adaptations to World Baseball and, and that kind of stuff. And and in fact, right now we're in the, the process of kind of developing our own rule book so it fits WBSC and, and, and their mandate. And then when we go to events, the technical commissioners are kind of like the uh, the guys that run the events in the background and they're your protest committee and making sure things are running as far as when Pete's team in Israel goes out there, they only take their 40 minutes for batting practice and the other team gets 40 minutes and everything runs smoothly, including the pregame ceremonies. And, and we got TV now and TV coverage, so we want to make sure we meet time commitments and all that. So, uh, you know, People in stations aren't uh, mad because we're five minutes late starting and those types of things. So we, we've got a lot. People don't notice us because we're in the background. But uh, when there is something goes wrong and there's a protest, that's when we get even more involved and we'll be we could be seen. But, uh, yeah, it's just uh, the backside of running the technical side of the game would be what a technical commissioner does. You know, I'm glad you brought up the rules because, man, we're going to talk about some rules, some interesting rules. Even in MLB, we'll mention some of those rules. And one thing we know about Israel, we don't have to worry about them. They got, they're got they on schedule, man. They're always on time, always perfect, right? They got their they, they got their managers running the show really first class. Peter, Israel, listen, um, how did you start? I mean, you got to start somewhere in baseball, right? All of a sudden, then you become president of Israeli baseball. That's a big responsibility, you know, vice president of the European Baseball Federation, another one because governs by, you know, they govern baseball in Europe. So talk about a little bit of your history. Well, I've been uh, living in Israel now for 35 years, originally from, from New York, from the United States, uh, immigrated to Israel 35 years ago when my two kids were born, three kids were born, uh, two of them in the States and one in Israel. Um, and very quickly after that, I got involved with Israeli baseball. I've been involved for 25 years. Um, as, as secretary general for eight years, as president for six years, and now as the general manager of all the national teams, including the, uh, the national Olympic team. Um, Israel baseball has developed a lot over the last uh, 10 years or so, especially the last four or five years. Corona has set us back a little bit, the whole Corona situation, but uh, basically we're on a, on, a, on a very high trajectory going forward. Um, in terms of international baseball, um, I guess our first exposure was actually in 2007. We had a professional league in Israel for one summer. Um, unfortunately, that summer was fantastic. We had six teams, 120 players came to Israel. Um, but unfortunately, after that summer, the guy went bankrupt who ran it, and, uh, and we ended up finishing it that summer. But 2012, we got an invitation to the WBC qualifiers. Uh, we lost in the finals to Spain. Four years later, in 2016, we went to the qualifiers again, um, and we, we won the qualifiers. We went on to the main tournament in 2017 in Korea. Um, ESPN called us the uh, Jamaican bobsled team. Yes, it's absolutely no, no <laughs> chance of, uh, of doing anything in the WBC being the last team in there. Um, and we ended up winning our three games in Korea, uh, defeating Korea, the Netherlands and, uh, and Taiwan, um, going on to Japan, beating Cuba, the Cuban national team, small little Israel being the Cuban national team. Um, so that was a real, a real uh, enlargement for, for Team Israel for the, for the national team. Unfortunately, we lost the next two games. We were out of it. We came in sixth place in the WBC in 2017. 
Um, but two years later in 2019, uh, we put a team together that would compete for the Olympics. Um, we heard about the Olympic qualifiers, the, that uh, baseball was coming back to the Olympics. We put a team together in 2019. Um, we had some guys coming to Israel, making immigrating to Israel, getting Israeli citizenship. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit later about the process. Yes. Um, but in 2019, they came, they helped us. They helped our local Israeli kids, the, the ones who were born here. Um, and in 2019, we ended up winning four tournaments in four different European countries over two and a half months. Um, first the B pool, then the uh, playoffs for the B pool, then the A pool, we came in fourth place. And then the Europe, the, the, the Olympic qualifiers at the end of the September of 2019. Uh, to make a long story short, what we thought would be nine months later ended up being a year and nine months later. We got to the Olympic Games. We played in the Olympic Games. Um, that was an, an incredible episode of its own. Um, and a month later, we actually went to the European Championship um, with a team that was only half of the team was from was, was made up of, of the Olympians because a lot of the Olympians after three weeks in the Olympics could not get away from what they were doing to go to the European Championship just a month later. Um, and the other half of the team was all made of native Israelis who grew up in the Israeli program. Um, and we ended up getting second place and second place in Europe um, to the Netherlands. We played Netherlands in the final game um, and baseball in Israel is going way up. I mean, we're we're now 20th in the world, ranked number 20 in the world, um, basically because of our lack of youth programs. And this coming summer, we're sending three youth teams to European tournaments. So we're also pushing that forward. Um, and there's a very rosy future for, for Israel baseball in the world. Absolutely. Matter of fact, honored to see you guys play in Europe. Did a great job. Uh, Facebook friends, if you got any questions, put them on the uh, comments section. We'll try to get to them. Um, also, you know, I have, I have a flashback. I just want to mention when you mentioned the, the uh, Jamaican bobsled team, my flashback was that movie when they got stopped on the highway by the police officer. You know, wow. I think there's some of our Jamaican bobsled team. You know, the guy obviously is not going to believe them. Are you kidding me? Really? You know, where, where do you train that, you know, for that sport in, in Jamaica? But that was interesting. Wow. Um, you know, Pete, the other thing I want to ask you, Go back a little bit because in history, you know, you got you start. You guys had to start the program, you know, some with nothing really. I mean, introduce baseball in Israel. What was that like at the beginning? Because that can't be that easy. Uh, soccer, I would assume, is the national sport. Yes, soccer by far is the national sport. Eighty uh, percent of, of of sports in Israel are soccer. Basketball is second. Um, baseball and softball together today are about the number fourth or fifteenth sport in Israel. It's it's growing. Um, but it started all in the, in the early 90s, I would say. It started before my time, before I got to Israel. But the early 90s, there were American immigrants who came to Israel. They actually, the first settlement was in, on Kibbutz Gezer. Um, they went to Kibbutz Gezer. They started a new kibbutz. It actually was in the 70s. Um, and that's where the first baseball field or softball field was built in Israel. Um, and it was all, until, until, until the late 90s, it was all basically American immigrants who came to Israel or North American immigrants who came to Israel who made baseball. Um, and then we developed it from there. And it's very difficult to, to you know, to go from a, a, a European soccer mentality, um, which is, you know, 90, 98% male oriented, um, you know, yelling and screaming, kill the referee, things like that, to go to what we're trying to do in baseball, which is more of a family kind of orientation, you know, leadership skills, um, cooperation, um, things like that. We're trying to teach the kids there. Um, it's not easy to get that culture in there. Um, today, I would say in Israel, there's at least uh, at least 60 or 70 percent are native Israelis um, who grew up in this country. Another 30, 40 percent are still American immigrants. There's still many American immigrants who come over to Israel. Um, but the bulk of the people today who are learning the sport and getting into it are native Israelis. That's that's fantastic. 
You know, guys, we're going to talk. I want the audience to really understand baseball worldwide. You know, there's a lot of people that follow it, but there's still a lot of questions out there. And we got something on some questions on the WBC 2023 Facebook page. But uh, I want to start off with this, Jim and, and Peter. You know, WBSC, Jim, World Baseball Softball Confederation, a governing body. Explain that because I want to get into two things, the WBSC and the European Baseball Federation. Uh, to focus on that more on this show at, to start with, and later on we can go to other areas. But uh, Jimmy, start with the with the WBSC. Well, they, as you said, that's a World Baseball Softball Confederation. They would be the governing body for baseball and softball around the world. So, even though this is a baseball show, they they govern both and try to set up all the tournaments, all the structures, and uh, you know they. They've now, which is a good thing over the last uh, six, eight years, they're also developing coaching programs, uh, umpire development programs. Uh, we're, we're starting on the technical end to have a technical program that should be coming out in within a year here as well, and probably within half a year um, to help develop technical commissioners and things like that. So develop and, and presenting opportunities to uh, apply for funding um, through the WBSC to help start new programs or new things within your federation um, they offer those opportunities as well so that's the basic nutshell of the wbsc is offering new things for all in the sport and then guiding what we presently have and and uh, guiding the championships and and the everything around world championships and world competitions and the lead-ups to them, which become the qualifiers to, as Peter explained, he had to go through a number of them. They generally are involved in the, the run-up events as well to get to the World Baseball Softball Confederation Championships. Yeah, and folks, go to WBSC.org. Check it out, the website. There's a lot of education going on with the WBSC around the world. So um, as Jimmy mentioned, there's a lot of things happening you know, what, what about, you know, somebody, you know, we get this question a lot and, you know, I, I would think the answer in some ways is to go to WBC website, but there are people love to get involved in international baseball. Um, how does that work with the WBSC or even with the European Baseball Federation? Well, I guess I could quickly answer on the, I think on the world baseball softball, I think now that because they're presenting opportunities for scorekeeping development, coaching development, umpire development, and as I mentioned with ours, with the technical commissioner development as they come, I think that's where, as you said, if you go to the wbsc.org website, you can find something. If, if you're in one of those areas or want to get involved in one of those areas, you can start off and, and, and join some of that to be, uh, you know, hopefully get better at it. Just even if, it, if all you want to do is get better for baseball in your country, that's fine. Or if you want to maybe pursue stuff on the world baseball softball end and move up the ladder, you can, that's what, that would be your starting point. And Peter, go ahead maybe, and add to that. I can talk maybe about, about WBSC Europe um, because um, just uh, just last month, we had the, the Congress in, uh, in Europe um, that brought together the, Old CEB, CEB, which is the which is the baseball confederation, together with the ESF, which is the European Softball Federation, they came together into the WBSC Europe. We're having next month in Slovenia. We're having a congress in which we're going to have elections for the first time of the WBSC Europe, um, where baseball and softball are coming together in Europe. Today in Europe, I don't know the exact number, but there must be at least about forty countries in Europe that have baseball and softball. Israel geographically is not part of Europe. But certainly um, in everything that has to do with sports and uh, 
the Eurovision contest and everything, we, we, we belong to Europe. Um, we really can't belong to the Middle East or to Asia because we don't, uh, we don't have very good neighbors, we have very good relations with many of our neighbors. Um, so we go towards Europe, we look in that direction, um, but we've been involved with European baseball for now for about 30 years. Um, they're, they're, they're the larger confederations, the larger federations. You've got the Dutch, you've got the Italians, you've got the Germans, you've got the French, the Czech Republic, um, which are the larger, stronger federations. But then you've got a lot of federations all over Europe who have anywhere from, from 50 players um, to what Israel has, which is about a thousand players. Um, there's a lot of federations that fit right into that area. Um, in Eastern Europe and Western Europe and Southern Europe, a lot of smaller countries are getting involved with baseball and it's growing. It's definitely growing in, in Europe. Um, again, the coronavirus uh, was, was problematical for us, but being in the Olympics helps a lot of the sports and a lot of the federations because they get a lot more funding. I know in Israel, um, we got more funding because we were in the Olympics. Now we're in a situation where it's sort of like we're not, in the, we're not an Olympic sport anymore because we're not in the Paris Olympics, um, but we're hoping to hold on to that for about three years. Then after the Paris Olympics, we'll be, hopefully, baseball will be back in the Los Angeles Olympics and we'll get a lot more funding. And the same is true for all the European uh, federations because they get a lot more funding if you're an Olympic sport. Makes sense. And talk about also, you know, when it comes to the, whether it's the, you know, WBSC, WBSC Europe, you know, the major responsibilities, you know, because we hear that they're going to, they run a lot of the tournaments, all the tournaments, actually sanctioned tournaments, but what about the rest? You know, we talk about coaches, education, other things, Jim mentioned a few, uh, you know, as a governing body, they have a big responsibility to help nations grow the game. There are a lot of development programs. They put in a lot of development programs for, for the coaches, for the umpires, for the scorekeepers. Um, either before tournaments, they'll have some kind of a session for a few days before a tournament where they'll invite all the coaches or the umpires or the scorekeepers to come there. Or they might send people to your country. Many times they've sent coaches and umpires to Israel where we were able to put on clinics for the coaches or umpires here. Um, they, they really get involved. They get involved with a lot of the development work, provide a lot of funding to different countries. Again, it depends what kind of countries want to use their facilities and want to use their, their, their services. And as much as, as they say, as there's an expression in Hebrew, as much as the, uh, as the horse wants to drink, um, the, the people want to, as much as the cow wants to drink, I'm sorry, the people want to take from the cow the milk. So, uh, so they're, they're, again, it depends on, on every federation and their relationship with the governing a, a, a continental federation. Jimmy, uh, WBSC, huge responsibility worldwide. Um, you know, there's a lot of countries that need help. Um, you know, I know there's a system in how they ask for the help, how that works, and that, and then they have to be accountable uh, if there's some funding, equipment, all that sent to them. Yeah, I think that's that, that's a, been a key uh, factor. I think in well, I would say since Ricardo Vicari went in as president, he's really tried to develop and, and offer offer things to the growing nations be, so that they they can feel part of the baseball world and and get better at the game and and just offer their younger players something in the game. And that it that includes things like equipment, training, and those types of opportunities. He's uh, developed the system where you can apply and. And, and I think the developmental system of the WBSC has grown exponentially just by offering things like that. And yes, the country has to be responsible to make sure they, you know, they just don't take the money and stick it in a bank and use it for their high performance system. There's accountability, but, but the WBSC does their checks to make sure that, you know, the funding's going to the right source, which was the developmental aspect that you applied for. 
you know, both you guys have been involved in, in, a, in a country where you had to develop the sport, start it, develop it, grow it. Let, let's uh, talk to the audience a little bit about, you know, Pete, you could start off if you like, you know, the, if you're going to grow baseball in a country, if you're going to start it and grow it, develop it and keep it going, some of the key factors that you need to really focus on. There's, there's, there's basically two kinds of philosophies. Okay. Um, when I was president, I was going on one philosophy. There's one philosophy that says build it from the bottom up. Um, start with youth programs, start with vast youth programs, get the kids out there, get the kids playing. It's like a pyramid. Come up to the top, slowly build your way to the top. Um, we went the opposite way. Um, we, we also built the bottom. Okay. But we also came from the top because we got this invitation to the WBC in 2012, um, which we couldn't refuse. And right away, we were introduced to, to top level players because of the WBC rules, because of the heritage rule. Um, you're allowed to have players who do not have citizenship for your country, play for your country as long as they can get citizenship. So Israel has what's called the law of return, which basically means that anybody who has a Jewish grandparent or parent or is themselves Jewish um, can right away get citizenship in Israel. It's a process. It takes time. It's a process. You have to prove a lot of things. Um, but basically, that means for the WBC tournaments that anybody who we can prove is Jewish or has a Jewish grandparent can play for Israel in the WBC. So what we did was we started at the very top with the WBC, both in 2012 and 2016, 2017. Uh, we started with a very strong team on the top. We ended up, as, as I mentioned before, in 2017, being in sixth place in the, in the WBC. And that was able to pull up a lot of the other things that, was going on, that were going on in the organization. Um, as I mentioned, over the last five or six years, um, because of the prominence of us being in the WBC, being in the Olympic competition, um, it's been widely known in Israel that now there's baseball. Uh, five years ago, if you would have said baseball, they would have said, yeah, that's what they play in America. Um, but today, people know about the baseball team. They know about the Olympic team. A lot more kids are coming out now because of that, because of that publicity. They're coming out. They're coming out to, to play baseball. They're getting involved. Obviously, we need the coaches. We need the equipment. We need the fields. By the way, this year we've built two, two new fields in Israel. Um, one has been dedicated already last month. The next one will be in another month or so will be dedicated. So there's no doubt that as they, as they say, um, when you build it, they will come. Um, and more kids are coming and they're coming out to see these fields. We have basically one or two fields in Israel. Now we're doubling that number to four fields. Um, so that's also crucial. And again, because of the Olympics, because of the top of the pyramid, we were able to get funding for the fields and to develop the field. So it's a little bit of a, of, a, of a give and take back and forth going through the system, building that pyramid up. You know, but that makes sense. And Jimmy, I'm going to get to you with the, when it comes to building a uh, program. But, uh, you know, Pete, I'm glad you brought up because that was one of the questions that came up with our WBC 2023 um, website, um, a Facebook page. And that's a good point because you took advantage of an opportunity right away so you can grow the game because you need that funding. You know, if you, you might have had to wait 15 years to or 20 years to even reach that level. Now, at least you've got the funding. And, uh, and I would assume the goal, because I know we can all speak to this, and I, this, I don't have to mention countries. There have been countries that made the mistake of starting that way and never going with their, you know, developing players in their own country. They stayed with kind of the, you know, uh, players coming from other countries, citizenship, that which was a mistake in the past. So I think that's a big benefit um, for what you guys did. No, I can just mention now, I mean, just, I mean, we're, you know, we have our point system, the point system of the WBSC, um, we're 20th place, basically because of our, our top national team, basically because of the adult national team, and not because of the youth teams. But this coming summer, we're sending a U15, a U18, and a U23 team to Europe, 
to, to, to compete in the competitions there because we've built that up already. We're ready for that. We've built those kids up. The U12 team is going to the Little League. So we've got that built up now. And now we're putting that in place so that hopefully in the next Olympics in seven years in Los Angeles, we can have a team which is made up primarily of domestic Israelis who, who, who run the program in Israel. Awesome. Jimmy, talk about the development of the program because now I'm going to go back and talk a little bit about, you know, countries that have players that have either dual citizenship or, as Peter mentioned, you know, uh, passports from that country. But talk a little bit about Baseball Canada. Talk about a leader in development of the game. Um, Canada has been one of the best in the world. And I've said that many times on our podcast. Well, thanks for that, Pete. Now that I'm retired, I can't, I kind of have to just speak from former stuff. But uh, yes. I think the one thing I, I would bring up, Pete, is back in 2003, Canada, yeah, we were an established baseball country, but we had to really, we, we really had to look at ourselves because it was time. And we did a Baseball Canada Summit right across Canada. All the provinces had as many people as we could come in. And, and we really had them look at the, all the things within baseball. And a couple key things came out of it. We needed a program for the, for the grassroots that brought kids to the, the park and was quick uh, they weren't there. They didn't come. They just didn't stand around in the outfield and watch watch a game for nine innings, get two at bats, and you know half the time spending running around in the outfield chasing dandelions or whatever. Um, we needed a program there. That was one thing. And the, on the other side was the coaching development. We want we felt that came things that came out of that summit were were the opportunities our kids and our athletes deserve quality coaching. And so we developed the NC, our NCCP, which is National Coaching uh, Participation uh, um, Program. We, de we developed that program and, and we put it online and we developed a structure and we, that people had to get um, levels and stuff to be coaches within our system. And our provinces bought in as well. So it really created a quality system to provide our young athletes with quality coaching. And the other thing that came out back to that grassroots part, we developed a program called the rally cap program, which was kind of six on six baseball, three teams on the field at once two playing a game, break it up. The other team is in the outfield doing skills and drills and you just keep rotating. We found the other thing that came out of our summit was things were too long. We had six and seven year old kids out there for two hours well, you can't keep their attention span. So it was knock this thing down to an hour. And we've had such success with that program that it got adopted by programs in Texas and California. Some people in Netherlands adopted, they asked for permission and we granted it because we thought it was a great program. And uh, the other part of the program was you train levels. It's similar to karate. You get your red cap, you get your white cap, you get your gray cap which would be like your karate belts as you acquire more skills in the game of baseball. So we developed all that and it's been very successful. And now it's a program that's going to lead into the baseball five program, which the world baseball softball has was a mini game using your hand and, and all that kind of stuff. But we developed a mini game that has been very successful for us. And uh, it's led to greater participation at the youth level maintaining kids because we created fun a lot more things were happening at the ballpark parents were happy kids were moving like soccer that one thing that came out with soccer kids are always moving running with baseball you were standing around all the time 
but now we, we with that rally cap program, we developed a lot more skills, a lot more activity, and parents were a lot happier to put people in their program. You know, and that's what I love about the international, you know, podcast like this. You know, we share a lot of ideas. You can learn so much from different countries on how they're developing their players, how they're keeping players in the game longer, because I think long-term is important that we keep them there. You know, the, the governing bodies, as we're talking, and I'm going to go back to the citizenship of players in a minute, but the governing bodies, Pete, um, responsibilities are big. You know, they're going to work with all these countries. So in Europe, you know, the, Federate, the European Federation has to work with all these countries in helping them understand how to develop their coaches. Each country has ideas. What, as far as the European Baseball Federation, what do they do to kind of educate the countries in the development of coaches? Um, basically, I mean, they have, they have clinics. Um, there are clinics that are going on, as I mentioned before. Usually before tournaments, they'll have a clinic going on. They'll invite some. They might have a regional clinic. They might have something in Eastern Europe, for example, and invite all the other countries around that region to come, to come join that clinic. Or they might send somebody, one of their roving coaches, to a country. Israel, for example, they'll send somebody to Israel. We'll bring the coaches together. They'll, they'll go to a different locations in the country and give training for the coaches, give clinics for the coaches in different places. Um, and they're trying to have some kind of pool of coaches and some kind of uh, um, pool where they understand all what country has which coaches, trying to get some kind of rating system of the coaches. Um, here in Israel, we have our own um, national coaching system for all the sports in Israel, um, where, where coaches are trained and, and need, to have, um, need to have approvals, need to have certifications, um, which, is not, which is something that's not easy. It's not easy to get certifications, certainly for all the major sports, for soccer, for basketball. You, all, you need that before you can be a top coach. Um, in baseball and other minor sports, they give us a little bit of a consideration that we don't have guys that, that far yet, but we're trying to get more coaches um, educated, um, getting them certified. If we have certified coaches, it's better for us. It's better for the program. You're doing the exact same thing. The coaches are teaching the exact same thing. Obviously, like in many countries, we have a lot of parent coaches in the lower levels, um, and that's difficult to deal with because parents are not easy to be, have as coaches, um, yeah. and you want to try to avoid that as much as you can. Um, what we succeeded in doing is taking a lot of the 14, 15, 16-year-olds, training them as coaches and having them coach the seven, eight, nine-year-olds. Um, the, they both love it. They're both they're getting some money. The older kids are getting some money. The younger kids have, have role models to look up to and to go to games and to see them. So that's been very successful here in Israel, trying to get the parents away from being the coaches. Um, and, and we're trying all different kinds of things here in Israel that are based on European models, based on what the WBSC Europe is, is doing. You know, I, I love that, Pete, because we've had several shows with countries and, um, you know, whether it be Belize, we've had, we've had Haiti, we've had all kinds of countries all over the world on the show. And, and one of the things that is a common denominator just recently, not too long, is a lot of countries, what they're trying to do is exactly what you're talking about. They're trying to get their national, the former players also who were, and I just want to mention this for our WBC 2023 Facebook page, because um, a lot of countries listening, um, you know, they get those co those guys that have, or gals that have finished playing to coach and they try to find funding. So that way now it becomes almost a job for them and they take it more serious. Cause as you said, you got to certify coaches and, and it should be hard to be certified coaches, right? It shouldn't just be a one day thing. And, oh, thank you very much. And now you're certified. It should go through a process. And Jim, I know you guys have got a great process and I encourage you to go to baseball Canada also website and check that out. Hey, I want to jump a little bit here, and, and Jim, feel free to add to what I just said, but I do, go ahead. I just mentioned some, the one thing we do have is evaluation within it, 
it within our program. And I think that's key. It's, it's fine to take all the information, as you said, bing, bang, level one, level Thank two, you. Level, but we, we have accountability as well. So there's a programs that we have that's part of the evaluation. You have to be evaluated in your game practice on your, in a game, in a practice so that you're not just all of a sudden I took all this information. I'm level three, put me on the national team coaching staff. You know, there's more to it. And, and we have added that evaluation and mentorship part of it as well. Boy, I tell you what, you must, uh, you have a lot of fans, uh, both you guys, but I got a comment here from Kelsey McIntosh. Um, one of the best baseball leaders and, and minds in the world is our Canadian. So lucky to have Jim Baba on our team. Uh, he has Jim, to say that I was his boss. I was going to say, how much you, you must have called him and told him uh, if you want to continue to work there, he, you still got some pull. Yeah, but, he's, hey, he's moved on to better things, he's, but he, he did work for us. He's a great guy. Kelsey, thanks for the comment. Uh, hey, listen, um, this is a big question, always comes up. And in a perfect world, it'd be ideal. We don't live in a perfect world. I think everybody knows that. Um, in a perfect world, when we go back and talk about citizenship, Pete, um, you know, the biggest question comes up all the time. Well, how, how do you get, you know, yes, there's a, there's a way to get players to be a citizen in that country. A lot of countries do it. Some countries don't have that ability. Um, you know, talk about what's, you know, what you think the pro process should be. And is it, I mean, is it a good process and, and it should it be changed possibly maybe in some other ways? Well, Israel, I think is the only country in the world um, that, that has what's called the law of return, which basically means that if you can show Jewish heritage, um, which means if you're one of your grandparents was Jewish, um, and to be Jewish is both a religion and also a heritage, um, then you can automatically get citizenship in Israel. You have to go through the process. It's a difficult process, but you have to go through that process and you can get citizenship in Israel. It's not if you had a parent or grandparent or great-grandparent who was from Israel. It's if you have, you know, somebody could be Jewish and they could come from Eastern Europe and be in America or be in Canada and still get citizenship in Israel and not having been Israeli, uh, but having been Jewish. I don't think there's any other country in the world that has that. Um, and that's part of the reason why Israel was created 60, 70 years ago um, to be a homeland for the Jewish people. And it's very important for us to bring the Jewish people together. Um, and that's that's part of Israel. That's part of our heritage. That's part of who we are. Now, when you apply it to sports, um, and you talk about Israel being able to provide for American Jewish baseball player citizenship so that he can play for Team Israel, um, that becomes a little bit of an issue among the world because they're saying, what does an American Jewish baseball player have to do with Israel? Our experience has been that with all these guys, all the guys that we brought over, first of all, they went through the process, they came to Israel, they've all been in Israel at least twice, um, many of them much more, and a lot of them would have been in Israel a lot more the last two years, except for COVID. They're all dying to get over here. When they come over, they, they, they do clinics. They do all kinds of clinics for the kids. They go all over the country. They're part of our uh, federation. They help us to, they help us to do the programs. Um, you know, when, a, when, a, when an Ian Kinsler um, comes to Israel and spends two weeks in Israel, I mean, the kids are just, you know, the thousand, he's seen all thousand kids in Israel. And he's probably in touch with them now back in Houston and everything and talking to them all the time and, uh, and in touch with them all the time. And they, they think of him as a, as a buddy of theirs. Um, and that's fantastic. That's fantastic for a local program in Israel to have an Ian Kinzer like that. All of a sudden, because of his Jewish heritage, take on Israeli citizenship, play for Team Israel in the Olympic Games, 
um, and be a, be a figure and come over to Israel and help baseball develop here in Israel. That's very important for us. And we see that as a major thing. Listen, the Jewish people, you have 9 million Jews in Israel and you have maybe another 9 million Jews in, the, in, in North America. Um, so 20 million people altogether. I mean, every country in the Olympics, except the Dominican Republic, because Dominican Republic is, 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 is baseball crazy. But every other country in the Olympics, if it's Mexico, Japan, United States, um, Korea, have populations which are anywhere from five to 10 times larger than all the Jewish people around. So we're not, we don't have that much of a population base to choose from. And that's who we have, and that's who we have, and that's what we're going forward with. And I think it's, a, I think it's great for us. And I like the part that it's just, it's a process that takes time. You know, they just don't give it out any, you know, that easy. And Jimmy, I could appreciate that because, you know, you look at baseball Canada. Yeah. Population isn't huge, but you guys have had a lot of guys in the big leagues, college players. You've had great players playing. So to feel the national team program is, is a lot easier when you have that kind of system already in place and other countries don't have that, so they've got to, you know, try to get some players in. What, what's your opinion about all this? Because this is a big question. I'm not sure we're going to get – we're not going to figure it out here, but what's your opinion? No, I guess the key part that – I mean, Peter, as far as the the um, eligibility stuff, um, the key part on the WBSC side is when you attend one of their world events, you have to have a passport from that country, and that's the rules. And so if, if Peter can get their people and get the passports – that's that's the rules. He fits within the rules. The rules are you have to have a passport from that country. So with that, it's those are slightly more restrictive than the WBC rules, which, uh, as he said, how he, how they started, they were able just to grab people with connections. But now on the world level, you can't just have connections. You actually have to have the passport. So you, as long as you have the passport, you can represent that country. And that's the way the rules are right now. And that's the way I think it, it should be. As long as you can show that the person has that passport, they should be eligible. Yes, many countries complain about certain ways that people can all of a sudden fast track passports, but the person does have a passport. So he meets the rules. And as far as a technical person, you and I, that's all we can judge. We can't yeah. judge how this person got it or that person got it. All we can judge is this is an active passport. It allows him to play for the United States. It allows him to play for Venezuela, whichever country's passport's from, and that's what you live with. And I think that's the key. You know, passports, you're talking about an official document, pretty hard to get. Yeah, Jim, on the other part of this is the dual citizenship. We've had players internationally that have switched countries. How does that work a little bit? Well, the key part is they basically can choose which country they want to represent, but once they once they start to represent Canada, for an example, I can give you that we've had players represent Canada and now they they maybe go over to Europe and play for a while over there and they want to represent that country. So what would happen with that country would ask permission from Canada because he's still kind of registered as the last time he participated in a world event with Canada. Can would you grant permission for X to now play for Spain? or whatever country and generally we've said yes we don't want to hold anybody at back but you know we'd also like to keep our players if he's a, a good player and and we would be using him in the next world thing then we mm -hmm. would but many times it's not it's a person that's moved on and maybe doesn't fit the national program so the majority of the times we say yes go we want that opportunity for an, a canadian to now get his 
his passport from Spain and play for Spain in a, in a world competition. We think it's great. It's a great opportunity for them. And as, as Peter says, it helps develop that program because now they've got a player that's been very active in the game and hopefully they give back in that country and help develop the, the sport in that country. Yeah, if I'm yeah, not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, if the country does not give permission, four years has to pass from when he plays from one country to play for another country. After four years, he can play on his own. He doesn't need permission. Yeah. That's exactly right, Peter. But it just allows the guy or allows the WBSC to, to stop this jumping because there's an event here now. Right. I'll go play in Europe. There's a qualifier there. Now, oh, sorry, I'll go over to Asia now. There's a qualifier there. It ha- they have to get permission. But yeah, he, that, but it also has to wait four years, which is kind of a world cycle to get out of the loop. And he could right. now he could go in the next one. Well, you guys must have uh, some uh, minds where you can, you know, some of the questions that are coming up. Because this, this was a brand new question from Dimitri. He even asked him about a grace period, three-year grace period, so, so players can't jump. So, Dimitri, there's your answer. Four years Four before years. you can jump to another country. Uh, boy, are we fast on giving you an answer. Hey, the other question is, Pete, uh, this came up, and, you know, in Israel, as baseball is developing, um, a lot of leagues are starting what they call pro league, but it would be your senior league. There's a senior league there, or is there going to be a pro league in Israel? There's a senior league in Israel, which has been around for 20 years or so. It's, uh, it's I would say, high school level of uh, U.S. high school level league, um, but it's adults. It's an adult league there from 17, the age of 17 up. Um, but now that we've developed two new fields, um, they're coming online, maybe not this coming summer, but maybe the summer of 2023. We're looking to renew the professional league that was here in 2007 and, and get back to a professional league where guys will get paid to come to play. Um, and we're looking to have that long term. So I'm looking for any any people who want to invest in a professional league. Anybody who's listening to this, give me a call. And uh, we're looking to start a professional league in Israel. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because we just had a show. Folks, we want to check it out. I mentioned India. India has a business plan they've been working on for a couple of years now on a pro league. It's a 2024, I believe, starting in India, 2024 Pro League there. So it'd be, it'd be, it'd be interesting to put you guys together and you can take a look at their plan, how they're doing things. So, okay. And that question came from mm-hmm. Julius Proenza from WBC 2023 Facebook page. Um, I, I, let's jump because this is another big topic, Jim. Um, the Olympics, right? It always comes up. You know, why only six teams now? Um, Let's, start, let's discuss that part, and not only the six teams, but how do the teams get into the Olympics? Well, the, I guess with the why it was only it was down to six, it was basically when baseball was um, asked to be in Japan, it was uh, basically take six or nothing. So I think, I think the, in the WBSC at that time basically says, yeah, we, we'll, we can live with six. At least we have six and we don't have eight, but we'll take the six and at least get our countries in there. And, and it also allowed for the softball to be in at the same time. And they also had to lower as well because both of us had to take a little bit of a hit and go down to the, to the six teams. So it, uh, it, but it also got us into the Olympics. And the key, the key thing now is because we're not a permanent Olympic sport, every time when it goes to, when it went to Paris, they got to choose what they wanted to pick as kind of their extra sports. And, and we're on the outskirts coming in. We're like track and field swimming and all the main ones are, are in there and locked in there for a while. We're, we're a perimeter sport and you have to be selected. 
of course, Japan, with softball and baseball being kind of their number one sport in the world, chose both of us to be in the Olympics. But in Paris's case, they didn't choose baseball or softball. But as, as Peter said earlier in the broadcast, uh, when we go to L.A., you would think because baseball and, and softball are big in the United States, hopefully they'll have us back. And that's the goal of the WBSC is to promote and push with with L.A. to get baseball back into the Olympics and do whatever we need to to get back in the Olympics. How about Major League players? I mean, I think that's something that people ask because of broadcasting television. You know, how come we can't get Major League players? They have it in hockey. They have it in other sports. That's a question from uh, Mike Sousa. Um, from the page. You want, you should, you want, go, go for it, Peter, if you want. Peter? Uh, again, uh, the, because it's, it's in the middle of baseball season, you'll never, uh, unlike, unlike basketball, I guess, which is not, which is off season, um, baseball is in the middle of the baseball season. The Olympics are in the middle of baseball season. So you'll never get baseball to release their major leaguers. Um, they did let anybody who's not a 40 man roster guy um, to play. Um, they were allowed to play. Um, and we had a couple of guys who were uh, AAA guys um, on our team uh, that were released to play for Team Israel. So that was nice to have. Um, listen, the, the Olympic experience for us, for Team Israel, was first of all incredible. I mean, it was an incredible experience to go to the Olympics, to be there, to be in the Olympic Village, um, to be among those teams. COVID uh, affected it a lot. It was really, um, as I understand, it was not a normal kind of experience in the Olympic Village, certainly at the Games. Uh, being in a stadium of uh, 30,000 people, 40,000 people um, with five people watching the game, uh, myself included, was, was, was difficult for the players. It was difficult for me to be in an empty stadium. Um, it's not a pleasant way to watch a game. It's not a pleasant way to experience a game. So that had a, had a difficult effect on, on, on the teams. Um, Israel did well. I think losing our best pitcher in the first inning of the first game uh, hurt. Um, we just didn't have enough pitching. We almost, we took a, a Korea uh, to the tenth inning of the first game, we took the Dominican Republic to the ninth inning of the uh, of the medal game of the of the the pre the pre medal game. Um, so I think we did well for the first time, and uh, believe me, in uh, twenty twenty eight in Los Angeles, we'll do a lot better. Jimmy, anything on the pro guys uh, when it comes to the Olympics? They're not pros, but the major leaguers. Yeah, I, I think Peter kind of hit it. It's right in the middle of the season, and. I, I guess I, I look at it and you hear the comments that, you know, an, an owner would have to give up, you know, a, a, like a Matt Scherzer in the middle of the season and he, he might miss eight or 10 days or 12 days and miss pitching in two or three games. And does that mean their team loses two or three games? He's got to look at all that. I know hockey does it, although this year with COVID and the stuff with COVID, they're, they're not uh, going to the Olympics and, and have made that decision, but um, I think Peter mentioned with basketball is slightly different. It's in the off season, so it doesn't really affect the season. So I, I can see that side of it from, from MLB, but it's also nice to see when players like, um, you know, players that have just retired or that type of thing. And perfect example is an Ian Kinsler that played with Israel. It, you know, you, everybody still considers him. He's a major leaguer. He's just not playing in the major leagues anymore, but he played in the Olympics. And I think that was super to see. And, and those opportunities do present themselves for former MLB players as well. Absolutely. Folks, I'm going to add also, don't forget, um, we talked about the economics of the, of the Olympics here. First of all, the Olympics are not going to move their schedule for baseball because they've got all the other sports they got to worry about. And then the other part, don't forget, and you guys mentioned it, I mentioned the reason I brought up hockey, basketball, those are indoor sports. They can always, you know, have two weeks off 
and extend the season with no problem. Well, you extend the season in baseball, where are we going to play? We're going to be playing in December, January, and, you know, it's going to be impossible. So we have to take all that in consideration. You know, hey, the other thing, guys, um, I, I, I'm bringing this up because I thought it was interesting. Uh, in Beijing Olympics, you know, we, we introduced a rule, Jim, as you know, the WBSC, well, both of you guys know this, the extra inning rule and the reason for it, you know, the, the length of the game. Uh, talk about that rule because I, I like it. I've liked it back then. We took a lot of criticism in the beginning, but all of a sudden then it was introduced in Major League Baseball. And and some people, you know, at first, oh, no, we can't have that. And all of a sudden you listen to the managers. A lot of managers in Major League Baseball actually like the rule, even though they may not keep it. Talk about the rule and a little bit about the effect of it. Well, I'll quickly just quickly talk about I think the key part that's that's missed by a lot of people, especially in our events, Pete, are we bring players together for a eight to 10 day period and you bring them in, you bring them all together. And now to have a 16 or a 17 inning ball game and it and it, Peter just mentioned that earlier, they lost one of their pitchers in the first inning of one of those tournaments. Now you try to play 16 inning ball games and you're using players that are affiliated with major league baseball and you've told the major league baseball you're not going to pitch anybody that's not a pitcher you're not going to extend guys more than the innings they would normally pitch within their minor league team and now you're coming into games and being asked to play 16 innings and fit a 24-man roster make it fit and have it all work out um, that rule helped that tremendously. Now they know it's the game's likely only going to go 10 innings, may go 11 innings, but they know they're only going to use one or two more pitchers. They're not going to use five more pitchers. And then for the next two or three days, be shorthanded because they can't use guys because of their promise to their major league baseball teams that they won't pitch two days in a row or three days in a row or whatever that might be. So I think that's the one perspective everybody has to really take in. And as far as the WBSC, I think it was a great rule for that. And I've been on many sports shows, even in Canada, being, you know, the, the sports guy, oh, the traditionalists are cutting me down and all that stuff. But I always bring that point up first, go to one of these tournaments and try to use major league affiliated pitchers and have that and then go back to their their general managers and their player development people and say, oh, well, we had to pitch this guy six days in a row because we had two extra inning games and went 15 innings. Just can't do it. Yeah, and it doesn't always fit in the system, right, Pete? I mean, it fits with the WBSC in Europe possibly, but in Major League Baseball, the reason they're going to probably pull it out is because it really they don't really need it in a lot of ways. And, and so I think it's not really going to stay with MLB. I'm one of those traditionalists who, who, who doesn't like that rule for MLB, and it's not an MLB, but it's very, very important for European and, and international baseball, as Jim said, exactly for the reasons that Jim said. And also, when you come up in the top of the 10th inning, or when you're pitching in the top of the 10th inning, and you've got men starting on first and second with no outs, um, it makes a very, very high-pressure situation. And I'll never forget, in 2019, in the B-pool, uh, Team Israel against Team Russia, um, the Russians were amazing. It was the top. It was tied at the end of nine innings. Top of the tenth innings, the Russians were up. They scored three runs against us. We came up in the bottom of the ninth inning with men on first and second, and we scored four runs and defeated them. Uh, so those seven runs in the tenth inning were just incredible, and it's important. It's certainly important because of what Jim said. You just can't have long games um, and extend your pitching staff. Excellent. I love it. Hey, listen. A real quick question here on Facebook. Uh, 
both you guys, uh, and again, this varies depending on where we're, where we're from, the seven-inning rule, playing games seven innings. You know, people always say, if you want to shorten the game, just make it seven innings, right, if you want to speed it up. Uh, Jimmy, start with that. Well, the WBSC has started to adopt that for most of the divisions now. We'll play seven innings in, in the future, and I think that's good. Again, it's, you know, you're trying to run tournaments. You're trying to fit games in, and you said we're an outdoor sport. We we you you and I were in Taiwan when we lost two two and a half days to a typhoon, and now you're trying to cram a tournament in, and we had to do that that exact same thing. We had to shorten games to seven innings. We had to play double headers back to back for all teams. But you do that, you adapt. But now it'll make it a little bit easier to fit in time frames when you're trying to get three or four games in on a diamond, and you've got two or three diamonds to only use. That you can now do it with the seven inning structure. Pete? I'm a traditionalist, nine innings, only nine innings, uh, certainly for the adults, certainly for the 23-year-olds, maybe the 18-year-olds, maybe the 15-year-olds go down to seven innings, that's fine, but no, nine innings, that's baseball, nine innings. Hey, Pete, I got a question for you. Are you traditionalist? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I no do DH, respect- no DH in the National League. I don't want DH in the National League. Trust even, though I, I, even though my team is the Mets and they, 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 they profit from the DH, but no DH. I certainly respect that. Now, I can speak for the U23 gym that we were just at this summer in Mexico. Uh, the 7 8 rule in the WBSC worked out tremendous. Uh, safe pitching. You know, we had three games a day on a field. We were able to fit that in. You know, there's so many benefits to it. There was not a negative when it came to the 7 8 game and the U23 event. Um, so, again, that's why the WBSC, I think, is continuing that. Anything else on that, guys? We good with that? Um, I'll tell you what. Let's uh, because just you, you guys mentioned. I would just want to mention one more time, um, Jimmy. Baseball five introduced by WBSC, and and I know the history a little bit behind it. Cuban baseball started it a long time ago, um, and that's pretty much. I think that's where it came from. Uh, talk about the, the baseball five a little bit, and why it, there's a benefit there to introduce it into your country. Well, I think it's the key part is it can get everybody thinking about the sport of baseball you don't need a bunch of equipment you don't need a big space you can play it indoors you can play it outdoors um, for those that don't know about the the, ga- the game a baseball five it's played with five players basically they're all in the infield that's all you need and you just have a base system there's no home runs you've got to hit it and you've got quick activity you throw the ball up you hit it with your hand it has to go a certain distance and you still play the, everything else is trying to get outs at certain bases and that type of thing. Very fast. You can have quick games, a lot of activity. People are running. It's, it's kind of similar to what I talked about in Rally Cap. So it's very positive that way. And now the WBSC, we did pilots across Canada. Very successful. We did it in the wintertime and, of course, did it indoors. Very successful in our pilots. And we're looking... Baseball Canada is looking at extending that development. And now the other thing I'll add is the WBSC is starting to get it into a world championship area as well. And it's going to be a next step for them. So that'll be interesting to see that develop as well on the, the high performance end, as, as, as you would say. I have no insight on any of this, um, but I'm making a prediction here, a bold prediction that you will see. And I think there's, things we can change on baseball five even to make it better but you will see baseball five in the olympics that's my prediction 
Um, they just uh, a little I think it's going to be part of the. I, I think it might be part of the World Youth Olympics that they have already. That might be our way to get in to mm-hmm. to that and kind of get you started in some type of area. I I would agree with your prediction. Hey, uh, Pete, on this, uh, get this, Randall Arms agrees with you, nine-inning traditionalist. So now two on two, right? We got Randall and you, got Jim and I, we're even now. Everything's good. Um, Israel, you got to get players to play the game. You and I have talked about this um, with Coach Holtz, I believe, on on our show on Baseball Outside the Box. Uh, You got to get players to play the game. So when we talk about Baseball 5, does Israel have any programs where they go into the schools and attract kids uh, a program where it's not full baseball because that could be boring to introduce a full baseball game to a five-year-old you guys have that type of program we, we haven't adapted baseball five yet we're talking about it i'm sure we will be doing that shortly but we definitely are going into the schools we have a lot of programs in the schools as i mentioned before um part of the certification program in israel and getting coaches certified is only certified coaches can go into a school um, so that's very important for us to make sure that we have as many coaches as we can getting certified, going into the schools, but we draw the kids from the schools. They come out then to the, to the games that we have and the, and the practices that we have outside of the school system. Um, sports in Israel is a little bit different than sports in the United States. Um, there's really no organized sports in the schools. There are no organized high school sports. There's no, nothing like that. It's a club system. Um, so the clubs outside of the school system are the ones who run all the sports. And here I'm talking about soccer and basketball and all that. Um, and the same thing with baseball, because you have the you have the maybe the gym class in, in the schools, which is where we try to get into. Uh, but you don't actually have the um, extracurricular teams or basketball teams or soccer teams for the schools. Um, so that's less of, a, of an influence on the on the sports platform in Israel. I'm going to take a question, Jimmy, from Mike Sosa, uh, S-O-Z-A, Sosa. Um, and the question is, I think I can answer part of this, too, because it's a it's not an easy question. When it comes to baseball five. Yes, you know, how come it's not introduced in Nicaragua and USA? Uh, Mike, just one comment, and then I'll let Jim comment on it. Each country has the responsibility of, of bringing that program into their own country. Not sure why Nicaragua hasn't introduced it. They may have. We'll double check on that. I can speak from the U.S. standpoint. I'm not going to speak for USA Baseball, but from the U.S. standpoint, we have a lot of programs. Um, and then a different organization, you got Little League Pony, Double ABCA. There's a lot of different programs. They try to work together, but again, individual programs that have to introduce that sport into um, their program. So it's a little tough. Jimmy, I, may, I know you want to add to that. Well, the only thing I'd add is that that would be the difference. Why it is not in Nicaragua? Maybe the federation hasn't pushed it. And that would be the difference in Baseball Canada. We, we did the pilots, and now our provinces have kind of bought in, and they're going to introduce some of it at the grassroots le- level as well. So it's, it's whether the U.S. is a different system. As you say, they have so many different programs. It's different. Most of the programs in Canada are under the Baseball Canada umbrella. So mm-hmm. it's easier for us to introduce us a thing like Baseball 5 because we have the buy-in from our programs. Yeah, Mike, hope that answers your question. Um, you know, the, the other part of all this is when we're talking about, you know, introducing new programs is never easy, right? Everybody always puts up the wall. Yeah. Um, but a lot in a lot of countries, even in Japan, they're starting to introduce it. And you know what? There's other programs you could introduce. Jim and uh, Pete have mentioned them. You know, I know there's people that like the, the, the light bats, the big barrel, the big ball, you know, five on five, four on four. There's all kinds of things. Be creative, folks. Um, I'm looking here. Mike Sosa, I'm thinking hard about starting in the U.S. and San Diego area. 
Well, you know, Mike, we encourage it. Start it there. That's what you need. Sure. You need leaders to introduce the program. And I just want to mention this. Remember, and Jim, you remember this in hockey. Remember in hockey, they were playing full rank with the young kids. All of a sudden, yeah. they came up with the idea of playing across three games at a time. Yeah. Everybody went crazy at first, but now it seems like people love it. Well, yeah, the whole rink was being used by 16 kids, you know, four and under were using the whole rink. Now they got 55 kids out there on three different sheets of ice and the same ice and, you know, how valuable ice time is. It was a great adaptation. Hey, Mike, and I just add to that, Mike, you know, try if, if you want to look on the Baseball Canada website and see the Rally Cap program, you might be interested in introducing that to your to your uh, San Diego area as well. Awesome. Thanks, Jimmy. Hey, guys, we're coming close to the end of the show. We really appreciate your time. This has been fantastic. Um, and again, we're taking questions on Facebook. Uh, just type them in the comments section. We'll get to them. Uh, you know, there's uh, one of the questions that came up, just a personal thing, you know, about you guys, uh, you know, experiences you guys had internationally. One of your favorite experiences when it comes, you know, when it comes to the game of baseball, anywhere in the world that you had. Uh, Pete, start with it. Well, you know, I, I think I have a feeling what your answer is going to be, but go ahead. Uh, I don't know. Well, okay. Um, well, listen, I've had so many different experiences. First of all, one of the things that I remember always is 2019, um, the B-Pool, um, starting in Blavogard, Bulgaria, um, middle of nowhere, perfect area. There were horses who were feeding on the field, eating the grass on the field, on the baseball field. The Bulgarians were fantastic hosts. Obviously, that was the start of our, of our weight, of our road to the Olympics. Uh, we won the B pool there. It was a really great tournament. None of the games were televised. So I have no collection of being able to watch them again. Um, we've got box scores and everything. And I think the second thing is just uh, six months ago, the, uh, the European championship that was in Italy. Um, we were very, you know, great. It was a great going there. It was great being on a team um, that had almost more than half the guys were native Israelis who grew up in our program here. And they really played well above their, their abilities. And they really came together together with our, new immigrants uh, from America, um, and they were just gelling together and working so well together and reaching second place in Europe with that kind of team is, is a fantastic thing to do. And I think it's just where baseball is today in Israel. Um, I didn't really think that our local players would reach that level so quickly. I was looking to do it two or three years down the road, but they were able to do it now and come forward so quickly. Just talks wonderful about the program and where we are today. And I'm really looking forward to this coming summer, sending, uh, we're, we're gonna go to uh, six international tournaments. So I'm really looking forward wow. to that. Yeah. Wow. Jimmy. Um, I, I guess it, there'd be two things. I think what, the one thing as far as on the coaching end, I was able to uh, coach our World University Games team in Buffalo, New York, and we won a bronze medal. It was the first time Canada ever won a man at the a medal at the men's level. And uh, it, it felt great to be a part of that and to be a coach. Uh, even though we didn't get the medal, only the players got medals, but a great experience to win a medal for Canada and Canada's gone on to win some, a lot of medals in the, in the, in the 2000s. And that's been terrific and be terrific to be a part of it as far as on the admin end and see our teams win. But I guess the overall experience of being able to go to, I, I think I've tracked it. I'm at 38 countries uh, for the, because of baseball and meet all the different people in all these different countries and the experience of, uh, of that just in my mind and, and the feeling of being, uh, you know, in, in baseball in 38 different countries has been fantastic. And, uh, 
baseball has given me a lot and I've tried to give it a lot back and hopefully I've got a few more years to give back to it. And uh, uh, that would be, you know, the other experience that I would say has been great for me. You know, I'm with you. I think we're some of the luckiest people in the world to be able to be part of international baseball. It's such a fun thing to do. Thrill. You meet great people. Um, you know, Pete, and I'll throw you guys a curveball here because you have no idea some of these questions. Um, and you don't have to mention people or countries or anything, but one of the strangest things you ever seen in international baseball in a game. Oh. And that's, that, that's, that might even be a slider. Those are tougher to hit. What a strange uh, thing. You know, you mentioned one of them, and, I, and I'll just bring it up to give you some time here. You know, uh, and I saw it when I was in the Dominican Republic, one of the greatest countries when it comes to baseball, right? Um, we're playing a game, and all of a sudden there's a horse that comes right across the field, right? Because he got, he got out of the, the barn or whatever. And then we're playing on fields that are not the greatest fields sometimes, which I love for, for our players because it shows them, you know, that you don't need great equipment and all that kind of stuff. But that was, say, that was one of the, strange things I saw sometimes internationally. I'll tell you, one of the strangest things was also in 2019, after we won in Bulgaria, the B-Pool, we had to go to a playoff game with uh, Lithuania. Um, and we really wanted to host it in Israel, but they were the ones who got the coin toss and they were the ones who hosted it. Um, and they were hosting it in Utina, um, which is a, a baseball field basically in the middle of a horse race track. Um, it's a horse race track that's not used anymore, but the lighting on the field, the, the games were during the day. But the lighting on the field is not pointed towards the field. It's pointed towards the horse race track. So you've got lighting that's outside, that's pointed outside of the baseball field. And this baseball field, and they, and they did a fantastic job. They got the field ready within three weeks. It's a field that hadn't been used for five years. Um, and they got it ready within three weeks, and they did a really good job. We defeated them both games. It was over very quickly. Um, but that was one of the strangest things, to be in the middle of a horse race track. The stands you know, were, were like for horse races. Um, and just to be on a field with the lights pointing outwards. And folks, I want to mention this. Uh, we're not, I mean, I'm not bringing this up because I'm trying to, you know, make some country look better or anything. So I'll give you an idea. I was doing a tryout in U.S., uh, independent professional tryout in Florida. And we had a pitcher, if you can believe it or not, that started off facing the outfield and then did his wind up and threw the home plate. Um, so you talk about one of the strangest things I've ever seen. And not only that, the ball only came at 64 miles an hour on top of it. So, you know, you're going to see straight things no matter what all over the world. Jimmy, you had an advantage here because you got a chance to think about this a little bit. What do you got? Well, I think I, I, this just came to mind. It's not it's not that strange because we've lived it and been there. But I just want to let people know. And uh, Pete mentioned uh, Peter mentioned it earlier about you know, you see different things in different countries. Well, when you have some rain sometimes, and now you're trying to get games in, it's uh, it's quite interesting what they have to help out to get games in. And we've been at fields where they bring out, you know, the four by eight squares of sponges, and now they're soaking up fields with sponges, and they don't have Zambonis, and they don't have squeegees, and they don't have that, and they've got bring in a hundred guys, and they're all take their four by eight inch uh, sponge, and they're squeezing water off fields, and you you think back, and you go, well, we've come a long way because there's other things, you, other ways you can do it now, but it get it gets done, and people do whatever they do to get the field ready, and it, it's pretty funny when you you see things like that but it, they get the job done. And the other thing that I've seen, and it happened with the world women's, the, the teams that were playing in that game, they are out there with sponges, their pants rolled up. They just wanted to play so bad that they're out 
sponging the field, trying to get it ready as well. So it's all, all of that is kind of some of the fun stuff you see in the game. You know, and a lot of people talk about, oh, we got to have a baseball field. Well, you don't always have a baseball. You have to have a baseball field. You could use a soccer field. You could chalk the lines. You can figure out the bases, get a backstop somehow. There's so many different ways. I remember being in Mexico. We didn't have a L screen. They put us in the middle of nowhere. And this is a, a senior team. We had to take batting practice. Well, we happened to find some tires. And we, we stacked the tires up, made an L screen out of it. You figure it out, right? I remember being in another country. You, they were raking the field with a, with a fence, an old fence. They were raking the field with it. They had to figure it out. They didn't have a pitching mound. So what they do, they took a tire, put it in the ground, and then the, that was the rubber, right? Because it was level with the field. Guys and gals, we just have to figure things out. That's what's great about international baseball. Speaking about all this stuff, a couple more questions. Um, international rules, just something maybe – you know, as you see the game internationally going, are there any rules that you'd like to see implemented or maybe taken away? Is there anything there, Pete? Um, not really. I mean, the rules of baseball, the rules of baseball, you know. Again, I'm a traditionalist. Yeah, you're, so, you're, 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 why, why did I start off with Pete? I should have known better. If it ain't broke, don't touch it. That's don't right. Jimmy, any thoughts? I mean, no, you know what? I think I think I'm kind of like Pete in that. I like I love the game of baseball. I love the rules. They they are what they are. I would think um, the only thing I would want is always protection of the player and safety of the player. Whatever rule that we need to implement that way, uh, making sure the game's safe for people to play, both females, males. Uh, whatever we need to do there uh, to not hurt people and to not you know to not extend them. Uh, that those type of rules I'll always be a part of. Yeah, and, and the one thing I will mention that if you're going to, anybody in the world or in, in their leagues, if you're going to implement a rule, try it out first. You know, as you look at Major League Baseball, they're trying it out in the independent leagues. They're trying it out in the lower levels. You know, I just saw where, you know, the uh, automatic strike zone is going to be implemented in AAA, but they've tested these along the ways. They just haven't thrown it out because it was an idea I think we have to be careful. I agree. We have to be careful with making changes that fast. Um, hey, let's go ahead, Jimmy. I just the one thing I'd said is, and that and it becomes Major League Baseball. If you recall, they they did all the replay rules and all of that. And you got to realize, you know, with the WBSC, we don't have the, you know, the money and the technology to to get that far ahead. And it takes a, it it took a little while for the WBSC to get to the where we could start implementing you know, the video reviews we got. Well, first we had video reviews, reviews for just home runs only. So on, on that end, the WBSC isn't that rich that we can have 72 cameras and all the angles. We, you know, we end up with five or six cameras and whatever we can do to try to create the replays that we can. So, you know, we, we adapt as we can, but you know, you got to bear with the rules. We can't, we can't all be like major league baseball and have the, the camera systems that they have set up in all the parks. Yeah, let's let them start it off, make the mistakes, figure it out, do all the homework, and then we'll we'll figure it out after that. Hey, let's finish it off with this, guys. Unless you guys have anything else you want to add, you could add it during the your last comments. Also, um, you know, we got a lot of countries. I like I said earlier, we got Haiti on, we got Belize on, we've got um, Bhutan, which you probably don't know. Bhutan is in baseball just introduced. They're starting to try to get into the WBSC. You guys got a tremendous amount of experience uh, again with federations with starting baseball in those countries a last minute advice to some of these countries so that way 
they can avoid some of the pitfalls of developing a sport and growing a sport in the country. Last minute advice. Pete, you want to start? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, the most important thing is first, you've got to have dedicated people. Um, that's really important. That's hugely important. Dedicated people that are out there doing the work, doing the coaching, doing the field work, what has to be done. Uh, equipment, uh, getting equipment out there, the proper equipment, the right equipment. Jim mentioned uh, safety, you know, making sure that there's safety equipment out there and everything. Um, the third thing are fields. Um, you know, you can use soccer fields, you can use uh, empty lots, you can use things like that. But there's no doubt that having a dedicated baseball field does a lot for developing a program. Um, and and just, just play baseball, play ball, that's all. And anybody, uh, both you guys, Jim, Pete, both you guys are invited to come to Israel, come see the program we have here. Anybody who's listening, welcome to come to Israel, come see the program we have here, what we've developed here, and I'll meet you at the airport and show you around the country. We're coming. Hey, Jimmy. Uh, look forward uh, to it. That'd be fun. Um, you know, another part of this, and you guys had mentioned already, but I just want to repeat it. You know, funding is important. Now, some some countries have government funding, some don't. Some Olympic funding, like you said, if they go to it. So funding is important. Um, you got to figure out how to make, you know, raise money too. Sure. Yeah. That's, that's huge. That's huge. Raising money is very big. Um, we've been lucky because we have the American Jewish community to raise money there, and we've gone there, and baseball rings a bell among people there, so we've been able to get money from there. But again, the Olympic, the, the thing with the Olympics, um, it's not just teams that are going to the Olympics that get Olympic funding. The fact that baseball is a, is a program mm, will give funding point. to Bhutan, to Belarus, to all different kinds of places that have good no point. thoughts of even going towards the Olympics, but they'll get more funding from that from the government. Jimmy? Yeah, I, I guess I, I would say that for the new developing programs and, and, and that area, I would, there'd be two things. And I mentioned it earlier. I think the one would make sure, make sure it's fun. Like you've got to get the kids to come back. You've got to be some fun aspect and you, you know, you got to have the activity and, you know, I keep bringing back the rally cap type of attitude, especially at the younger levels, make sure it's fun. And the second is you got to build your base of volunteers slash coach, coach base, make that developed well so that the game can be taught well. Otherwise, you're gonna lose whatever you develop on the, getting them to start the game if, they, if you don't have the quality to, to take it further. Great points. And folks on Facebook, on the uh, website, whether it be Baseball Outside the Box, on the Facebook page um, of the WBC 2023, we'll put information on how to reach out to both Jim um, and Pete, and we'll, we'll make sure that they'll give us the right information on how to contact them. And the other thing is, uh, I know Pete, you're on Facebook. Uh, Jim, I know you're not, right? No. That Old was geezer. one of the questions. I know Pete's on there. I'm on there, yes. Yeah, sometimes good, sometimes bad. You never know being on social media. Um, all right, folks, this has been outstanding, man. It's been a great show. Hopefully it's been informative to you. I know it's been informative to me. Hey, Jimmy, I want to thank you so much for your time. I know you got a lot going on. Well, I appreciate being on, Pete. and. Uh... Good luck out there to all the developing countries that uh, we're on and asking questions. And, uh, and if you do have uh, any, any other questions, I know Pete will pass on my, my email, my WBSC email and uh, use that. And I'll try to answer as best I can. Hey, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Second time for you. No, second time for Jim too. So you guys have been yeah. on our show twice. All right. Second time's a charm. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate it. I appreciate all the work you're doing for international baseball. And again, anybody who wants any more information about what I'm doing over here in Israel, any advice, anything, 
Feel free. No problem. Yeah, we think it's important to share international baseball with everybody around the world. There's so much to learn from the game, so much to learn from individuals, not only executives, coaches, players, parents. I mean, there's so many people you can learn from. All right, folks, uh, thank you to Jim and Pete. And by the way, in Chicago, Jim and Pete's Pizzeria. Mention that. There's a Jim and Pete's Pizzeria. So, and it's very good. And it's Italians. But so, you know, figure that one out, right? Jeez. Um, but folks, thanks for joining us. Special thank you again to Jim and to Pete. Special thanks to Brian Crock, our producer. Special thanks to, by the way, the WBC 2023, founded by Sergio Morales and JP Michaels. Give me a big plug, JP. These guys are always on there, always trying to promote the game of baseball around the world. Again, folks, remember, stay safe, stay healthy, and God bless you. We'll see you on the next show. This has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our podcasts now at LineUpMedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of LineUpMedia.fm.